One of my favorite movies is the movie Hotel Rwanda. And in the movie Hotel Rwanda, it basically portrays the story of the genocide that happened in uh, the country of Rwanda, where thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of people were killed because they were born into the wrong people group, according to the ruling government. And you had people like Emmanuel there in that video, who was part of a certain people group who went out and, and murdered and killed other people, um, all in order so that their people group could uh, be the only ones left in, in that country. And you see people like Emmanuel in this video who sold his soul to an ideology of hate uh, with acts of murder uh, that really should have destroyed his soul. I mean, if you murder somebody like he had murdered those, that, that, that little girl and their, her family, then you can never really get over something like that. But yet, Emmanuel, he has found life again through the sound of three little words. And the words are this, I forgive you. I forgive you. He heard the sounds of those words from other family members of, of the people he had murdered saying, Emmanuel, I forgive you. And he heard it from his creator as well saying, Emmanuel, even though you had done these despicable acts, I forgive you. You For these three little words, I forgive you, they are a game changer in our lives. You know, in 2011, there was a man who stood at a podium uh, in front of a bunch of students in the city of Philadelphia. And this is what he said as he stood at that podium. He said, I stand before you a changed man. Use me as an example of an instrument of change. That man who said those words, his name was Michael Vick, who was the former Atlanta Falcons quarterback who had spent 21 months in federal prison thinking his career, his NFL career, and his life as he knew it was over. But yet, as he stood before those students in Philadelphia, he realized in life that in life you get something that we call a second chance. And Michael Vick had been given a second chance. And that year he went on to have one of the best years of his career playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. See, it is the second chance in life that often enables us to appreciate the opportunities that are in front of us. I saw a quote this week that said, Life will give you a second chance because maybe you were not ready the first time. How many of you have ever felt like that? Like you've been given a second chance, but you were not ready the first time. I know I have in so many different occasions. I've looked back at my life and different times I have failed either other people or failed God. I realized I was not emotionally or spiritually mature enough to make the right decision at the time. And I'm just thankful that I have been given a second chance so many times in order to correct what I did was wrong. And this morning, as you're here today, I wonder what second chances that you've been given in life. Maybe you've been given a second chance at love. 
You know, maybe your heart was broken one time and then somebody else came, swept you, up, swept you off your feet and you've been given a second chance of love. Maybe you've been given a second chance in, in, in marriage, in, in your marriage. Maybe your marriage should have crumbled and, and been torn apart, but now you've been given a second chance in your marriage. Or maybe some of you, you've got a second chance at school, like you flunked out of school when you were 18, but now you're older and now you've had another chance at school. Or Maybe you've been given another chance in your career. Uh, maybe your boss was about to fire you and you're like, give me another chance. And you've taken that chance uh, by the horns and, and, and you've soared in your career. Now, if there are grandparents here this morning, then I've heard this from so many grandparents. They say they love having grandkids, firstly, because they can spoil them and just give them back to their parents. But then also because they say it is a second chance to help raise kids again. And maybe if you're a grandparent, maybe you feel the same as well. But we are given second chances in life. I remember at the age of 17, I had my learner's permit, and I could not wait to get a car. See, I'd been catching the bus where we lived. There was lots of, like, the city bus that went everywhere. I'd been catching the bus for the, the last few years, and uh, I couldn't rely on my parents to take me anywhere. So I wanted a car, so I wanted to get my driver's license. And I took a bunch of lessons, and I remember the day we put in for my test, and the date came back. I got a little nervous, but I was so excited because I was going to get my driver's license. I was going to get freedom. I was going to be able to do what I want. I didn't think about I had to buy a car and pay for insurance and all that jazz. But all I knew is I wanted my driver's license. So the day I got to the driver, driver test center, the instructor came out. She called my name. We went out to the car and she basically told me what was going to happen. And now this was in England. So I've actually had to take a driver's test here in Maryland to transfer from my international driver's license to a Maryland driver's license. You guys got it easy. It's like go around a parking lot and uh, you do a little reverse park and you just don't overstep a line. You don't even like go into the real world of like, 24 traffic, you know, it's, it's like a parking lot. So I just don't know how you can like say you, you're good enough around a parking lot. But anyway, in England, it was a 30 minute road test full of things that I bet many of you, you wouldn't even be able to do yourself. So there was like parallel parking. Who, who can parallel park? Oh, you guys are good. You guys are good. I was talking to some other people a couple of weeks ago, and they're like, there's no need to ever parallel park. I'm like, do you ever drive to Baltimore City? I mean, there's always a need to parallel park. But we had to do parallel parking. We had to reverse around a corner. We had to do a three-point turn, even though you had like 15 points you could do it in. And you had to do like a, an emergency stop. And for 25 minutes of this driving test, I was flying. I was flawless. I had done a perfect perfect parallel park, perfect reverse around the corner. I had done a three-point turn in like 2.5 turns. I mean, I was flying. I was ready to get my license. I could feel it in my bones. I was going to get my license. And the instructor said, okay, let's go back to the test center. Well, on the way back to the test center, we came to a traffic light and I was about to turn left on the traffic light. And I turned and as I turned, the stoplight turned from green to amber to red. And as soon as I turned, I heard the word failed. 
I was like, what? What did I do? She was like, you went through on the red. I was like, no, no, no. I've seen my dad do that tons of times. And she was like, no, you failed. And I remember that drive that like, it was like a two minute drive back to the test center. It felt like the longest drive of my life because I had failed my driving test. I felt despondent. I felt embarrassed. What was I going to tell everybody? I failed. Like all my friends had passed first time and I had failed. And I felt like the worst failure ever. But as soon as we got back to the test center, my driving instructor uh, came to me and he said, okay, we'll book a, a lesson for tomorrow morning. We'll go over just some of the things and we'll put in for the next test. Well, I remember I got the date for the next test and it just felt like I've got to do it. I've got to do it. So I studied so hard. I was out driving, practicing. And I remember the day I went for my second test. It was like the perfect 30 minutes of driving. It's the only time in my life I've probably ever done a perfect 30 minutes of driving. But I remember hearing the words, congratulations, you've passed. It was like the most ecstatic moment of my 17 years that I've ever felt in my entire life. And I remember thinking, the joy of a second chance is so much greater than the despondency or the failure of the first time. And that gave me an introduction into my life about second chances. And I've had so many different second chances in my life. There was another one in the year 2000. I was about to graduate from university. And I had one more paper I had to write. And I had to pass it to get honors. I was doing a Bachelor's of Arts in politics. And I remember this one paper that I had to write. It was an easy paper. But all I had to do was pass to get my honors. But my life was so hectic and busy. I had almost forgotten about university. And I was ready to carry on with my other life. And this paper was just in the way of my life. And so back in 2000, I wrote a lot quicker than I typed. Now it's a little different. I can type a little quicker than I write. But back then, I hated it because it would take so much time. So I went to the store and I, and, and I went to uh, our equivalent of Best Buy. And I saw they had this new piece of software on the market. It was called Dragon Speechwriter. And basically what you could do is you could speak into a microphone that's connected to the computer and it would actually type what you spoke. I'm like, this is ingenious. This is wonderful. I can just sit at the computer. I can just ramble on. It's going to put my paper together. I'll do it really quick. And so I got there, and I got to my computer. I started doing it. I'm like, this is wonderful. I was like, Mom, check this out. It's like, it's going to take me just a couple of hours to do this paper. And I remember handing the paper in. And the next day, the instructor called me, um, the uh, professor called me. And he said, Alex, we need to talk. I was like, what? What's going on? He was like, it's the paper that you handed in. And suddenly it reminded me. I'd been so busy. I forgot. This is like the cardinal sin. I forgot to proofread my paper. So he said, I can't make any sense of what you just wrote. (laughs) He says, I got to tell you, you failed. I was like, like my heart just dropped because I realized that, man, I've missed out on my honors just because I was taking a shortcut. 
So I tried to explain to him what was going on. He says, okay, this is what I want you to do. Now, some of you don't understand. Speech recognition for me is a little difficult. And the reason is, is whenever I do anything like with speech recognition, it never, ever understands what I'm saying. If you've got an iPhone, Siri can understand you. Siri cannot understand me. Uh, I've got voice activation stuff in my car. And I'm like, call, like, call my wife, call Raquel Pendock. And it's like, Call him Barack Obama. You know, I mean, it's just like, it's just, what is going on? Like, I'll say, drive to Generation Church. And it's like, drive into uh, Orange County, California. It does not understand me. And so I should have known this at the time that I don't get on well with this stuff. But the professor said to me, he said, okay, this is what we'll do. I'm going to give you a second chance. But you're going to have to write a totally different paper on a totally different subject. And you've got 48 hours to get it back to me. And you know what he did? This is typical of a professor. He gave me a question that he knew I'd skip class that day on. I mean, I deserved it, really. But I studied for the next 48 hours. I don't think I slept. And I wrote the paper. I handed it in. He gave me a pass. And it was, I was ecstatic because I knew I was going to get my BA honors in politics. A lot of good that did me, right? But the second chance of life. And, and, in, and in this uh, series that we've been talking about, we've been talking about a guy called Jonah. And we've been going through the story of Jonah. And up until this point, Jonah is in a bad, bad place. He had ran away from God instead of running to God when God asked him to do something. That caused him eventually to find himself at the bottom of an ocean in the belly of a stinky, slimy fish. And he cried out to God, God, help me. He was in a bad place. But it was like we talked about last week. It was in the belly of that fish that his attitude started to change. And instead of saying, God, help me, he now started saying, God, use me. And Jonah started to understand that the place that you often call rock bottom, and that's where Jonah was, is actually a great foundation for God to start to build your life again. And so the Bible tells us that as Jonah was in the belly of this fish, God ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. And that's where we're going to pick this story up. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Right here in these two verses, this is what we call the grace of God in a nutshell. Notice what the Bible says. It says, God spoke to Jonah a second time. How often through the history of mankind has God spoken to people a second time? You only have to read a few books of the Bible to understand that the Bible is full of men and women who are flawed, who are failures, who didn't do what God said, but God spoke to them a second time. Until the point that God decided to send his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and die on a cross for the sins of mankind, so for the rest of eternity, mankind could get a second chance. And here in these two verses, we have the whole story of humanity. God speaking for a second time. See, what I love about the story of Jonah 
is I can so see my life through the lens of Jonah's story. Because if God had not spoken to me a second time, then I would have never found the salvation of God through Jesus Christ. Because there were so many times in my life I rejected when I felt God say, come to me, come ask me for forgiveness, give your life to me. Uh, I rejected God. You know, if I, God had not spoken for the second time, I would have never decided or, or accepted the call of God in my life to give my life to the work of Jesus Christ. I would have never met my wife. I would have never had my son. I would have never decided to, hey, let's gather a few people together and start a church. We would not be here today if God had not given us a second chance. And more often than not, I've I've discovered in my life that when God speaks, I don't listen. How many feel like that? When God speaks, you don't listen. Well, often we don't even understand it. Often we reject God when God speaks. But I've discovered when God speaks, more often than not, we do not listen. Yet, it is through the grace and the love and the patience and the forgiveness of God that God decides to speak again. How many understand the frustration of saying things again and again and again? You wives, you understand the frustration of saying things again and again and again to your husband. I don't know what it is about guys, but I think we are designed, there's a design flaw in us that we have to hear things like five or six times before it actually, you know, understands what's being said. Like my wife will say to me, say something, I'll I'll say, I heard you the first time, but I've really, I've started to understand really, I'm actually hearing her the third time, the first two times, it just like doesn't even make sense to me at all. Some of you, you've got kids and you've had to say things to your kids time and time again. It's like, and it's just frustrating saying it to them again and again. Maybe you're a manager at work or you're a boss and you've got people working for you. And it's like, how many times do I have to tell you to do something and do it the right way? It's the frustration of saying things time and time again. And so if we get frustrated, how do you think God feels? Because so often, and, and, and if I am like any of, like most of you, which I think I am, God has spoken and often we just don't listen and God has to speak again and again and again. But anyone who understands the power of a second chance knows that second chances are not to be rejected, but second chances are to be jumped at. See, God had a plan for Jonah. And that plan had not changed in Jonah's life, even though Jonah had unsettled the path. It's not like Jonah rejected God. Now God says, okay, we're done with Jonah. Let's move on to somebody else. No, God's plan for Jonah still stood, even though Jonah went round it the hard way. And just because your life at times may have come off the tracks, it does not mean that God has forgotten you or God has given up on you. See, I realize that God's plans are greater than your situations. And God's grace is more powerful than your decisions and the decisions that you make. And this is what happened with Jonah. So Jonah got spit out onto the beach. God spoke to him to a second time. Go to the city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given to you. Then it says this in Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. This time... Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. So he's finally got it. 
He's doing what God has told him to do. And it says, and he went to Nineveh, a city so large, it took three days to see it all. It's like New York City or Washington, D.C. You can't do those cities in a day. You need like several days. It says, verse 4, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. See, second chances are the opportunity to hit the reset button. But it doesn't mean just because you're getting a second chance, it doesn't mean that what the task that is ahead of you is any easier. For Jonah, the plan God had for him, it was difficult, it was dangerous, and it was not popular. Nobody was going to give Jonah a, a, a most popular award. There weren't people lining in the streets waiting to hear Jonah speak. For the message that God had given Jonah was this, that in 40 days, this city is going to be destroyed. See, the plans that God has for you, they will stretch you. And they will cause you to go through some uncomfortable situations, things that you don't at times don't even want to go through or don't even think that you can go through it. See, God's plans are bigger and they are harder than anything that we can, can accomplish on our own. You know, when God has a plan for someone, and I believe God has a plan for you like he had a plan for Jonah, it's a plan that on your own you could not fulfill. Sometimes the plans of God don't make sense. Sometimes the plans of God leave you with a bunch of why questions. Sometimes the plans of God for your life, they will make you have hard conversations with people. They will even cause you at times to let other people down. But what I've discovered is that God wants the best for you. God wants the best for you, and his plan is so much better than our plans. So just spare a thought for Jonah for a moment. Some of us, we find it hard enough to tell the person at work who sits in the cubicle next to us about Jesus. We find it even hard enough to tell them that we went to church on Sunday morning. Jonah had to go to a city that the Bible says it took three days to see it all, I mean, this city was as large as any of our modern American cities. And Jonah had to go tell them all about God and all the things that God was going to do to them, the destruction of God. See, Jonah's plan was tough. And just because God is the God of the second chance, it doesn't mean that we do not need an element of faith to trust in God and his plans. And God's plan for your life is bigger than you, and so that means you need to trust in God. You need the element of faith. See, the second chance of God, it doesn't just come to the good. The second chance of God doesn't just come to those who we think deserve it. You know, it's like, oh, that poor person, they, uh, they, they, they just slipped up, but God will give them a second chance. No, the second chances of God don't just come to the good but they come to the people that we do not think deserve it. We'll find out next week that Jonah did not think the people of Nineveh deserved a second chance. How many of you think Michael Vick deserved a second chance? Not many of us, I'm sure. 
How many of us think that Emmanuel in that video deserved a second chance? If he had done that to one of your family members, would he have deserved a second chance? But what we've discovered with God, God doesn't discriminate between those who deserve it and those who don't. Look at this. Jonah chapter 3, verses 5 to the end of the chapter. It says, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. So Jonah says, you're going to be destroyed in 40 days, and they believe God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrows. So they started to dress differently. They didn't eat. They started to try to appease God. Verse 6, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Man, I bet his butt was burning. Verse 7. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all, People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. So they're repentant. They're trying to ask God for forgiveness. Then verse 10. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. These people repented. Did you know a repentant heart melts the heart of God? If you want to change the heart of God on a matter, come before God with a repentant heart. It will melt his heart. See, the people of Nineveh, they were wicked people. This city was as wicked as anything that we see today. The, the book of Nahum, which is a book in the Bible, which is two uh, books after Jonah, tiny little book in the Bible. It talks about the evil of Nineveh. And it, and it says this in the, in the book of Nahum, and Nahum was a prophet just like uh, Jonah. It said that Nineveh was full of corruption, full of murder, full of violence, full of hate, full of immorality and deception, full of witchcraft and idol worship. If anyone did not deserve a second chance, it was the people of Nineveh, for they were wicked, evil people. But when people, no matter how good or bad, respond to the truth of God, God has no problem at all pouring out his grace on those people. See, God has way more grace for people than what we do. Even though we don't think people deserve a second chance, you know what God does? He says, I forgive you. Here's your second chance. See, when you put the plan of God before your own, then watch out. For God will do incredible things through you. And look what God did through Jonah. Jonah, for the first time in his life, was now walking in obedience to God in the plan of God for his life. And now all these great things were happening. He was giving this message. He probably thought he was going to be like hung in the city square for what he was saying. But people believed what he was saying and they turned back to God. 
See, God's ultimate plan is that the hearts of men and women will turn back to him. God wants to use you. For he's given you a second chance. And as many of you here today, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life. And that means God has given you a second chance. But you know what? God wants to use you and your second chance so that you can help others hear about the second chance of Jesus Christ. See, your second chance, like Jonah's second chance, has the potential to impact a city and and make an impact for eternity. See, if Jonah had never been given this second chance, the people of Nineveh would have never experienced the truth and the salvation of God. And if God had never given you a second chance, I don't know who in the future would never be able to hear about the second chance of Jesus. See, You've been given a second chance. And God has a story for you. That story of a second chance, maybe it's a second chance at life. Maybe it's a second chance in your health or a second chance in your marriage or a a, a second chance, uh, you know, fighting an addiction. A second chance uh, just in faith. God has given you a second chance and God wants you to use your story so that others can hear about the second chance of God. Don't hide your story. Instead, shout your story from the rooftops because there are people who need to hear that there is a God in heaven who loves them, who has not, they've not gone so far that God has forgotten about them and that God wants to forgive them. See, if you find yourself As a failed and washed up person who you think God has forgotten about today. Then turn to God because he's waiting with arms open wide ready to give a second chance. He wants you to know he has not forgotten about you. That you've not gone so far out of his reach. That he is the God of the second chance. He is the God of your second chance. Let's bow our heads in prayer.